We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon. Hey, good morning, church. Great to see you today. We've got a great series here about it starting with me. It's starting with you. And so as we look at that, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Who has ever had words spoken to you that totally trashed your day? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now on the flip side of that, who has had words spoken to you that allowed you to do something that you probably would have never done before, but you're glad you did it? Isn't that the fun one right there? You know, not too long ago, our family took a family vacation, and somebody encouraged us to go to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And it's like, we like hiking, we like the mountains, we like those types of things. My wife enjoys horseback riding. So one of the days, while the girls decided to go horseback riding, my son and I decided to go ziplining. So first thing we do is we go up into the mountain, you get on the ski lift, and we're both grabbing that little bar that's in front of you, and it's like, hey, this isn't locked in even. What is the use of this thing, you know? And we're thinking, we could fall right out of this as you're going up this mountain. We get up to the top of it, and that's where the zip lining takes place, as well as several other things. And so, you know, we're standing in line, getting ready to put our harnesses on, and there's these two young twin boys, teenagers, that are beside us. And they ask them, are, were you with the group yesterday? And they said, yeah, we were. I go, what do they mean group yesterday? Well, you see, we couldn't do it yesterday because as soon as we were putting these on, the lightning struck the mountain, and they sent us home. I'm already thinking, that's a bad sign here. <laughs> And it like rains, it seems like, every day there and right around that mountain. So it didn't scare me off, though. You know, I get my, my zip line equipment on, get hooked up, race my son down the first stretch. There's three of these stretches, though. And so you find yourself at the end of the first one standing on a platform. They don't tell you this ahead of time. They say, and now you need to rappel down to the next platform before you can do the next zip line. I had done rappelling one other time in my life. It was much worse than this one, but I had flashbacks, though, of that time. And so, basically, you're harnessed in and you have a rope, okay? But you don't really know what the end of that rope's hooked to, but it has a little pulley at the top, you know, and I know they're going to let me down. But the toughest thing was, you had to stand at the edge, and he says, okay, just step off. I'd been told to step off before, but nothing like this, you know? It's like, <laughs> step off! I'm, I'm, and my brain is saying... You shouldn't do this. You should not do this, okay? You're going to die if you do this. But he said, no, 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 you'll be okay. You can do this. And so I stepped off and had a blast. Had a blast. Wouldn't have done it, obviously, without equipment. Wouldn't have done it with a little encouragement as well. Words have power, don't they? And they can guide and they can direct us. And they have a ripple effect as well. And when you've experienced the power of words, you've also experienced something called the domino effect. Pastor Guy taught us the domino effect last week, and it's basically that a domino can topple another domino one and a half times larger than itself, but couldn't have a better description of this than a video that we saw last week. So you might not have been here with us, but even if you were, I think it's well worth seeing again of what is the domino effect. So take a look. Everybody knows about playing with dominoes, but what you may not know is that a domino can knock over another domino, which is about one and a half times larger. So what I have here is a chain of dominoes. Each one is one and a half times larger than the previous one. And the smallest domino is about five millimeters high and one millimeter thick. And I will carefully place it 
and there are 13 dominoes. And the largest domino, it weighs about 100 pounds and is more than a meter tall. Ready? Boom. That was 13 dominoes. If I had 29 dominoes, the last domino would be as tall as the Empire State Building. Wow, right? You know, that domino effect helps us to understand and have a visual of our series maxim here. Would you say the maxim with me? Little things can produce big results. One more time. Little things can produce big results. That is true with words and the power of words as well. And so what happens here is we need to look at words and see what is the power in those words? What do they do? And how can we harness that power and use it the way that God wants us to use it? In doing so, we're going to turn to Jesus' half-brother. His name is James. And he wrote one of the books of the Bible that carries his name, James. And you'll find it near the end of the New Testament. So let me ask you to do this. Would you grab a Bible right now and turn to James chapter 3? If you don't have a Bible, grab one of the ones that you'll find in the seats there. I'll give you a cheat. You can find it on page number 1723. But it's basically near the very end of the New Testament is where you'll find it. But James is going to give us, not dominoes, but he's going to give us three, actually four, illustrations of the power of small things. And those small things actually being the tongue, this small thing that he's going to talk about in James chapter 3. And he'll divide them up and he'll briefly speak to each one of them, giving us just a greater understanding of the power of words. And so James chapter 3, and by the way, if you don't have a Bible then take the one that you have in your hands right now. It's our gift to you. Just use it. Read it. Have God speak to you through it. James chapter 3, starting in verse number 3, it says, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil. Among the parts of the body, it corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. He uses some pretty strong words to get our attention, but there's truth in all of it. He's trying to help us to understand that the tongue, the words, have power. Now, the tongue itself is very interesting. It's kind of fascinating. Did you know that on average, a human tongue is about three inches long is all? That's it. Go ahead, measure it, okay? That three inches is only about 5% of your entire body, the length of your entire body. So comparatively, it is very, very small. Not the piece that you would think is all that powerful necessarily, but beyond that, the tongue itself also, it has a makeup of eight different muscles, and they're all independent of the skeletal system. They're not attached to bone. They don't have bone running through it. It is a very unique part of our body is what it is. But the power isn't in its muscle. The power is in its speech. Do you realize 
that with the movement of your tongue, the change of a little bit of airflow, and the vibrating or not vibrating of your vocal cords, you have at your tongue 40 different speech patterns that you can do. 40. It is powerful. And like I said, the most powerful part of it is speech and what you choose to do with that speech. And that's what James is considering here. And like I said, he takes and he goes ahead and he helps us by sharing these different word pictures. But before we go there, let's look at verse number five again and something that he says here. He says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. So he goes into these word pictures. That's the one that he'll end with there. But he begins with saying, really, what he's trying to teach us is that we don't underestimate the power of a word. Never underestimate the power of a word. Don't do that. Keep it before you. And he'll use this idea of some very small things that impact big things. And the first one is this. The tongue is like a bit, a bit controlling a horse. Now, I've had very limited experience with horses by choice, but my wife loves horses. So I'm just going to share two of just a handful of experiences of riding a horse. The most recent one was probably the best of all. My wife, it took me over 20 years to finally give in to her desire to have a horse. But she got a horse, and his name is Levi. Levi is huge, and he's intimidating. His back goes up to, like, right about here on me. I rode Levi. There's the proof right there, okay? That is Levi. She said we could remove the bonnet if you wanted to. I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to get back up on that horse again. So, no, it actually wasn't too bad. Got on the horse, and with rope in hand, in my wife's hand, she led Levi around as I sat on top of him and rode him. <laughs> I made sure she did not let go. That experience was, was quite humorous, but, but it, it was okay. She, she would like me to say it was wonderful. I haven't gotten that far yet, but I knew if I rode him that she would love it if I did. So I gave in and did that. My first experience with riding horses was much different than this. I grew up in Iowa. We didn't farm, but I grew up on a farm. We had neighbors who had a horse, and so they brought their horse over to our house. And they said, would you like to get up on the horse? I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Looks really uncomfortable to me, but I'll do it. And I look at the horse, and there's no leather on this horse at all. I'm about 10 or 12, so I didn't know any better. I'm like, how do I get on the horse? They said, here, you put your foot in here, and we'll lift you up and put you on the horse. Okay. So sure enough, they lift me up on the horse, and I'm just sitting there. Everything's going just fine. I'm like, how do I hold on? They said, well, just grab a hold of its hair. You know, on its neck right there. That's fine, but you don't need to hold on. He's not going anywhere. Until, and this was all planned, until one of them just slapped that horse in the butt, and it took off. And honestly, I can't tell you to this day how I got off of it. I probably smacked my head. I don't know. But it was a total different experience. And so probably the reason why I swore off riding horses probably for a few decades, in fact. Because there was a major difference between those two rides. The first one was missing this. A bit. Do you realize that if you put this small piece of metal into a horse's mouth, you can control a huge beast, a huge beast. But you need the bit in order to do that. 
a very small thing. And so when James is talking about a bit, he's saying, this is your tongue. Your tongue is very small. Who knew that such a small thing could bring about such big, big differences in our lives? James goes on. He says, not only is the tongue like a bit, the tongue is also like a rudder guiding a ship. Not a cruise ship like we'd see today, but that's pretty impressive, isn't it? It'd be great to see the rudder on one of those ships. It's probably pretty big, but in comparison to the ship, it's not all that big. But in James' time, we know that there were ships. And those ships probably took people from one place to another. They were also used to move cargo. They were used for war. And some of the bigger ships were right around 300 feet long. So think about a football field. Not too small, right? End zone to end zone. That was the size of many of the larger ships at that time and probably one that he's talking about. And he says this about the ship. He says, the power in the ship comes from the wind. Sometimes it comes from human beings rowing that ship, many human beings. The power comes from the wind. But even with the wind, you need something else to direct that ship. And that's called a rudder. And you'll see in comparison... The rudder is very small. It was just a plank of wood, usually two, actually, one on each side. And very small in comparison to the overall ship. And with that, the pilot, they call it at that point, the pilot of that ship was able to navigate such a huge vessel in whatever direction that he wanted to. He says, that's your tongue. Who knew, again, who knew such a small thing could make such a big impact. He goes on, he gives us one more. This one we can all relate to. I kind of am fond of this one a little bit more than the other two. But he says, the tongue is like a spark that can turn into a forest fire. Isn't that the interesting thing about it, right? You light a match and it burns, but you know you better be very careful with that, right? I think every one of us has a fire story. Who has a fire story? I have a fire story. I won't take the time to tell it right now. If you want to know it, I can tell you afterwards. But know what I found out real quickly? My brother has a fire story. My other brother has a fire story about his other brother. My dad has a huge fire story. My father-in-law has a fire story. You see a theme going on here? Men like fire, don't they? (laughs) It's very powerful. And James is speaking to that power, saying a small spark won't stay small. It won't stay small. It'll turn into a huge forest fire. And some of you have experienced that personally. Some of you have lost all your possessions to a house fire. Those of us who have not lost those possessions, it doesn't take long for us to turn on the news or to look at social media to understand that, that there are fires going on in Australia right now, that have gotten out of hand. And before that, there were fires in California. And in between that, there were fires in Florida, wildfires, bushfires, that were consuming lives, consuming land. Anything in its way became uncontrollable. And each of them probably started with a small spark. Maybe some started with a lightning strike. Maybe some started with a power line, but it started much smaller than what it ended up. And he's saying, that is what your tongue is like. He's trying to teach us 
a very important thing through all these illustrations. And that is this. Small does not equal insignificant. And you need to remember that with your words, with your speech, with your tongue. That though it be small, it is never insignificant. And we need to respect that and we need to leverage it. We need to use it in amazing ways for God himself. Because he wants us to use it well. He wants us to manage our words in a way that would be pleasing to him. But what that means is this. You know what? Many of those things are the negative side. But thankfully, not everything's negative. That's the interesting thing about the tongue. It can be used for negative. It can be used for positive. You have the choice, though. He's given you the choice. So with the tongue, what that means is you need to choose wisely how you're going to use the tongue. He tells us we're going to give account for the words that come out of our mouth. Not because he wants to punish us, but because our words have a ripple effect. You start with negative, it will have a ripple effect into more negative. You have positive, you start with positive, you will have a ripple effect into many more positive. Solomon, the wisest man in the world, wrote many of the Proverbs. And one of those Proverbs is this, Proverbs 18, verse number 21. He says this, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. When you first read that, you might scratch your head and say, I've never seen any words cause death ever before. I've never seen really any words bring anything to life even. You have. You just may not have recognized it. The poster child, I believe, for words of death is a guy by the name of Adolf Hitler. You know what? He showed us the power of words to bring death because of his speeches, because of his orders, because of his lies, because of his rhetoric, the words that came out of his mouth without touching a single person. Approximately six million Jews died in something called the Holocaust. And millions beyond that were killed for racial, political, ideological, and behavioral differences. That is the power of the tongue to bring death. And it has, and it will continue. It even happens today. On the flip side of that, there's this guy by the name of Jesus Christ who brings life with his words. He brought life into this world. Even with his last words, it is finished, he brought life because that's when he chose to die so that we could have eternal life. And there is life in those words. It is finished. Because that's when he gave up his life and shed his blood so that we could be saved. Giving us abundant life and eternal life. That's the power of words. Even beyond that, Jesus says things like this. With man, there are things that are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. His disciples were asking him who could be saved. And that was his comment. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Maybe you're in a tough spot in life. Maybe you're weary. Maybe you're worn out. You're tired. Here's Jesus' life-giving words to you. Let these sink in. They come from Matthew 11, verse 28. You might need to hear these today. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Can you just sigh a deep sigh of relief at that point? Can you feel the life being pumped into your soul at that point? Jesus is saying, take your burdens and let me carry them. I'll give you rest. You're burdened. You're weary. You're tired. 
I'll give you rest. There's power in words. We've seen two extremes, the ultimate of death, the ultimate of life. But we have everyday examples of this every single day with people that we know. Jenna shares her story of both, the power of words for good as well as for wrong. Take a look at her story, would you? Hey, I'm Jenna. Well, I grew up in a Catholic home. Um, we really only went to church occasionally. It would be like Christmas and Easter um, were mandatory, but the rest of the times were just if we were feeling that that Sunday was free or not. But even though we wouldn't go as often, my parents still always instilled kindness and compassion in my heart. So when I went off to high school, a few months in, I met a boy who was a little bit older than me. So the fact that he noticed me, I just was mesmerized by it. I had not received attention like that from a boy before, so I just totally fell into his trap. He started to be a, a little bit more um, physically and emotionally abusive. Um, he would kind of tear me down as a person, say mean things about me and my body, and that just ate me alive. So the first man that I had ever loved outside of my dad um, essentially broke me at a young age. Pre this boyfriend, I was just the happiest kid. I became much more insecure. I was very critical of my body. Um, I was always trying to be perfect in everything that I did. Um, so my freshman year at Platteville, um, I started to find my identity again. I was in a dorm with some really great women. Um, who were super fun to hang out with. I didn't care to hang out with him. I wanted to hang out with my new friends instead. And so I just really didn't have time for this boyfriend anymore. Um, and so I ended up breaking up with him. I went into the semester ready with my head on my shoulders, ready to conquer accounting. Uh, and I sat down in the front row and I noticed this boy. I was like, gosh, he's really cute. And he was wearing like all this Platteville football stuff. And his name was Alex Marsh. We spent all this time together um, and he was unlike any other man I'd ever met. He was kind and caring and would ask me about me. He was always intentional and made me feel like the biggest queen in the world. About six months into our relationship, Things started to get a little dicey uh, because he was a Christian and I was not. He had been going to this Christian fellowship. He invited me to come along. And the first instinct was like, no, <laughs> I want nothing to do with that. I don't want to go, but he's really cute and nice, so I should just suck it up and do it because he wants me to. He introduced me to a few women that were there, and one of them, um, it just seemed like she was really invested in me right away. There was one specific time where we had this gig before our university large group. And in the gig, she had asked me like, what are your reservations? Like what's holding you back from just accepting Christ? And I told her, I was like, I just 
need confirmation that he's real. We prayed about that and then later in that group meeting, the message that they were talking about was directly related to what we had just talked about in our gig. So I was like, okay, he's real. But that still wasn't quite enough for me for some reason. Another one of the girls that I had met through university, she had been inviting me to this um, conference that they did every fall. And it was November 3rd of 2012. And this person was speaking at the end of his message. He said, if anybody wants to accept Christ, just stand up. And I'm like, I'm in the front row. Like, I don't want to stand up. All these people are going to be staring at me. I just felt all these eyes on my back. And so I said to my friend, what should I do? And she said, listen to your heart. And I just felt like I was raised out of my chair. And obviously I started bawling immediately <laughs> and all these people came and were hugging me, strangers that I didn't even know. The guy came off the stage and gave me a hug. And it was just so surreal. Everyone just kept saying, happy birthday, happy birthday. And I was like, I don't understand what that means, but I'm so excited that this has, this has happened. So I just went back to Platteville completely on fire for God. And I had called Alex and I said, you need to come over, I have something to tell you. And I told him that I had accepted Christ and he just welled with tears. And he's not a big man of emotion, so seeing him get emotional about that was something that was really important to me because I knew that he had been praying for that as well. Can you join me in praising God just for those life-giving words? The life change and the ripple effect as that even goes on and on and on. No, normally, Alex and Jenna would be right here with us. In fact, Alex would be behind the scenes and helping with online campus, but they get to be recipients of online campus today. Here's why, and we get a chance to speak life-giving words into them. They are at the hospital because... Jenna is 31 weeks pregnant, and there's some complications with that right now. So I want to let you guys know we love you, and let's just pause and have prayer for them, okay? Lord God, we thank you that you're the life-giving God through words, but you're the one who actually gives life, sustains life. And so I pray for Alex, for Jenna, for the baby, God, that you'd bring health. God, you'd help them, strengthen them. And God, let them know most of all that you're there with them as well. We praise you and thank you for being our God. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Life-giving words are important, aren't they? Absolutely. And we can underestimate them way too much. We can underestimate both the negative and the impact of that, but we can way underestimate the positive with it. And so James goes to one more word picture, and he tells us this, your tongue is like a spring of water, like a fountain. And when you go to a spring of water, and he'll carry that even into a tree or a couple of types of trees, but when you go to a spring of water and you taste it, if it tastes good, then you will go back to it again. If it does not, you will not, if it's bitter. But what doesn't happen is this. You don't go to a spring and taste both bitter and sweet. It doesn't happen. You have one or the other. 
And so James tries to help us understand, and that's the way the tongue should be. It's not always that way because it requires a choice on our part. It requires us to make a decision if we're going to use it for good or if we're going to use it for evil. And so if you go back to our passage and you look at verse number 9, he begins to flesh this out. And he says this, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. We just did that, didn't we? And it's an amazing thing when we do that. And it says, And with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. We spit on his creation, in other words. And catch this next part. Look at it on the screen with me. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. That's true, right? But look at what James says. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. He says, if you are a Christ follower, that should not happen. In fact, James will go on. He'll say, this is so difficult that you would have to be perfect. If you could totally control your tongue, you would be perfect. But he still doesn't let us off the hook. Saying, if you're a Christ follower, you shouldn't see this dual tongue. Out of one side of your mouth coming praising of God, and then out of another side of your mouth, maybe as soon as you leave these doors, you go and give death to another person through your words. Someone that God has created. He says it shouldn't be. Why shouldn't it be? Because God says, if you're a Christ follower, you're a new creation. Meaning, Because things have changed. You are changed. You are different. Yes, you still have a sin nature, but you need to be putting that sin nature away. You have been changed. And one of the greatest changes is this. You have the Holy Spirit because you can't do this by yourself. It's not just about cleaning up your, your words. It's about giving life through your words so that other people see Jesus. And come to know him. He says, you're going to need help with that. And so I've given you the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christ follower, you have the Holy Spirit. You might be like, I don't, I don't know if I have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. Do you know why I know that? Because he's tapping you on the heart saying, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say those words. And then at times he's tapping on your heart saying, you need to speak up. That person needs some encouragement right now. You need to tell them that you care about them. You need to tell them that you love them. You need to tell them that they matter to you. And you need to tell them that they matter to me. And you need to tell them about Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit that's doing that. That's not just your mind. That's God living inside of you. He says, look, this is why you can't have a dual tongue. You've been changed. You have the Holy Spirit. But also... You have to realize that the things that come out of your mouth, they come from within. Words come from within. They are attached to your heart. Your heart and your tongue are attached. Meaning, you can fake it at times. Yeah, you can fake it at times. But meaning, the words that come out of your mouth, they come from your heart. So if you want people to think that you care about them, you need to care about them first. Or they won't believe any word that you say. If you want to convince people that you're a truth teller, then you need to deal with the lies that are in your heart. Or they shouldn't ever believe it. He's saying, look, these should be paired together. They are paired together. What comes out of your mouth comes from within. What causes you to swear? What causes you to curse? What causes you to cuss? 
it reveals a lot about what's inside of you at that point. It reveals a lot about what you really believe. Many words are bitter, gossip, hatred, lying, anger. And you notice that once you let them out, we think we can take them back, but that is not true. It's not possible. Sometimes we're lulled into thinking, my words don't hurt all that much. We're getting a little better at this, but we're all taught something very young. In fact, I'll start it, you finish it. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Words will never hurt me. That's a lie. It's a lie. They do. And so we need to put away those words, and we need to replace those words with life-giving words. I don't know about you, but in order for me to do that, I need a filter. Can anybody else use a filter? Go ahead, admit to it, okay? All right. When you're tempted to gossip, when you're tempted to bring death to someone, not physically, you might need a filter. That filter is the Holy Spirit, as I mentioned, but he uses the Bible, God's word, the word of life as a filter as well. And one of my go-to filters is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 29. Read it with me, would you? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You see the filter? Before you speak, before you let the things that are in your brain, in your mind, come out of your mouth, can you ask these questions? The first is the negative. Is it unwholesome? If it's unwholesome, it should not come out of my mouth. Then you go on to the positive. Two positives I want to pick out here. Is it helpful? Are the words you're about ready to speak going to help someone or are they going to hurt someone? And then the last one is this. Will it benefit? Who will it benefit and how will it benefit? If it can't pass the filter, then they shouldn't come out of your mouth. Don't let them come out until they've been rearranged to a point where they can speak in a way that God lays out here for us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 29. We need to see that benefit. One of the other things we need to recognize is this. Do you realize your tongue has weight? It does. It weighs about two and a half ounces. But that's not what we're talking about. You see, your tongue has weight by the types of words that you speak. The negative words. You have to realize this about negative words. Negative words last much longer and go much deeper. I can remember things back from when I was in middle school. I know it was only a year ago, but you know what, just okay. And I remember a coach, as I tried out for football for the first year, I made the team because we only had enough players to play. That's it. Meaning all of us played offense, all of us played defense, and all of us played special teams, and we threatened each other every time we thought of quitting. And we stuck out the whole season. And that was a miracle in and of itself because I can remember my coach who was also my shop teacher look at us and say, you know what? The principal is making me coach this team. If he didn't, I wouldn't bother. Then he went on to say something very true but very hurtful. He says, you're a bunch of losers. And we did. We lost every single game. We were tired. (laughs) I can remember that. Can you believe that? Those words went very deep. It's not that I dwell on it every day, but I can remember that. I can remember it as if it had just happened not all that long ago. But the grateful thing that I have is that there are positive words 
but they have weight too, but they don't weigh as much as the negative. That's the problem. And so the positive words, they're easily forgotten and they need to be repeated often. You need to remember that over and over again. Thankfully, I had someone speak those positive words into me just recently. They said, Rob, you have a couple superpowers. In fact, you have several superpowers, but here are your strongest superpowers and you need to use them. You need to use them often and you need to use them for God. And he went on to say, you're kind and you're smart. And when you take those two combinations right there, you can help people change their lives with it. And you need to keep using that. You know what happened that day? I stood up a little bit straighter. Felt a little bit better. Because someone breathed life into me. And we need to do that on a regular basis. Because your words have weight. And your words have weight by the role that you play in another's life. Like this. You may be a boss. You may be a teacher. And you may be thinking, my words are insignificant and they're not changing anything. And you need to multiply that by a thousand. The impact that you're having on another individual. Are you a friend? If not, you need to use some words. Because friendships are so important. And when we gather together with others and speak life into them, it changes their lives. That's why we talk about groups and the importance of being in groups in community with others. You heard it in Jenna's story. It was because of people around her that loved her enough that spoke about Jesus that she entered into a relationship with him. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to praise him. He wants us to love others. He wants us to let people know that they matter. Our heart is people and our message is Jesus. And if our heart isn't people, that message is not going to go. It's not going to go. We need to keep that before us. You know the strongest, I think, and the weightiest words of all are the words of a parent, a mom or a dad. They stick. And so if you're a parent, you need to be giving life-giving words into your children. Now, some of you, as soon as I say that, you begin to think about the death words that were spoken to you by a mom or a dad that you may not even speak to anymore or be able to speak to anymore. There's another role. There is another role. And it's, you got to remember, you're a child of God. And so those life-giving words of a parent that you may have missed out on from your physical parents, God wants to speak into you. And your weight as a child of God weighs heavy in a beautiful way. Meaning that when your tongue speaks those words of life, that's what people expect and are attracted to. And when you speak those words of death, all they see is hypocrisy and they want nothing to do with it. It says, so don't have a dual tongue. Use the weight of your words to bring life, to see what God does with it over and over and over again. So I want to give you some quick how-tos this week, starting today. Would you commit to this? Three simple things. One, would you check your heart before you say anything? Would you check your heart? And be honest, what is in your heart? Because that's what's going to come off your lips whatever you need to do to check it. And it might be this next thing, actually. Would you make a commitment to this to set a reminder? I don't know about you, but I need a reminder, okay? Set a reminder, just like that, right? That would be a good one right there. And I'm gonna be very specific. Remember our filter? Ephesians 4, 29. You can summarize it just by doing this. You can ask the question, is what I'm about ready to say helpful? Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. Ask yourself, is it helpful? Do you know when it would be a good time to do this every day? 4.29.
4.29. Take a picture. Put it on your phone. Take a screenshot. Have it come up. Even if it's a simple question, is it helpful? You choose. Mine's going to be 4.29 in the afternoon. It's not going to be 4.29 a.m., okay? Maybe yours is 4.29 a.m. I don't know. Then what else can we do? Would you choose your platform to speak life-giving words? We all have a platform. And we have one that we gravitate to and is more effective than any other. For some of you, your platform is going to be social media. Will you make a commitment for the next seven days to speak words of life, whether it be a comment on somebody else's post or whether it be a post that mentions someone to let them know you care about them, you believe in them, you trust them. Maybe it's a post that you want to tell others, I would love you to know Jesus. I want you to know right now I'm praying for you. I want you to know right now that God loves you, whatever it may be. For some of you, it's going to be print method. Get some thank yous, a stack of them, at least seven of them, and one every single day. Write a handwritten thank you to someone telling them how much you care about them. And then some, the platform's going to be voice. Pick up the phone. Call that friend. Call that family member. Let them know, I love you and God loves you. And when they say, why are you calling me? You never call me. You just be honest with them. Because I think God wanted me to tell you this message right now. And he wants you to know that he loves you. And I love you too. See what it does. How it will change each and every one of us. Choose your platform. As I remind you before, James says if you're actually able to do this, you're perfect. That's why you can't do it by yourself. Maybe you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and today's the day to do that because you're not going to be able to do it by yourself. And why would you want to? You have God. You have God. And God wants to use something that's at your fingertips every single day and speak life into you. Some of us can put the app on our phone and you can carry it around right in your pocket. Life-giving words that you use every day. And don't just hold them to yourself, but you speak them into other people's lives as well. Are you willing to do that? If you're here today and you've never received Christ, today's the day. He wants a relationship with you. Will you take those words of life and believe them? In a moment, we're going to pray, and I'm going to encourage you to trust Jesus with your life, with your heart, as your Savior. If you're here today and you need to make a change, would you take that time to tell God that you're going to make that change and that you need his help so that what's on the inside does come out in life and not death? Would you pray with me? Lord God, I ask right now that you would help us to trust you. If you're here today and you say, I need Jesus. I've never trusted him as my Lord and Savior, but today's the day. Would you pray to him right now something like this? Dear God, I know it's my sin that has separated me from you. God, I know that I've been trying to do this on my own. God, I want to repent of my sin and turn to you. And in turning to you, I'm putting my faith that you died so that I could have life. That when you went to the cross and shed your blood, you did that for me. And I'm receiving that gift right here and right now. With heads bowed, with eyes closed, I'm not going to ask you to stand. But would you just raise a hand saying, that's me. I'm trusting Jesus today. Thank you. Thank you. Lord God, I pray that you'd give us the strength to speak life. And the more we speak life, the less we'll be tempted to speak death. 
And God, help us to have a genuine love for others, that our heart will be people, so that our message will be you, Jesus. We praise you, we thank you, in Christ's name, amen. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.